0: This is Thompson McBompson calling from the Data Freedom Foundation. We're calling to get your feedback on the Smoke Your Tumor Away campaign on behalf of your local lobbyist. No, no, this isn't a scam. This is legitimate research. Ah, fuck. One asshole. Oh, you're still on the line. Oh, um, sorry, wrong number.
1: Shit. Yeah, cold calling is a is is definitely a skill you have to
0: build up after a while. It's such is these guys, do you know much about these people? Data Data no, I, I don't think you do either. That's kind
1: of the point, right?
0: <laughs> well, I. What do you mean? The, the people you're calling. No, I'm calling on behalf. Wait,
1: what? What is the name? Repeat that. Well, the, uh, uh, Data Freedom Foundation. Oh God, these guys. All right, yeah. I was okay. The- what the fuck are you working for, these guys, dude? If you started charging again, you can tell me. Look someone needs to pay for the ozone in here, okay uh, I thought we had a hookup with that ozone Joe. I thought he was giving us a deal.
0: <laughs> he does give us a deal well actually i I was told that I wouldn't have to pay for the ozone right. unless I walked into unless I walked into a bar named England um, and somehow going to England bar in England means I have to pay. This is somehow related to the Faust legend. I'm not sure how how this work, like works. Um, let's move on. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, i
1: my understanding of the Data Freedom Foundation is they usually hire uh, chargers for charging reasons, not to do uh, call center sort of shit. I have heard about these guys though. Yeah, um, they're like um. I'm are like some think tank, though. Like, they do some kind of weird shit, right? And I mean, last I heard, they'd gone into some of that Web 3.0
0: crap. Everyone's getting into Web 3.0 crap. Um, oh, by the way, when are we going to start selling out NFTs? Tormson,
1: I, how many times do I have to explain this to you? They aren't. What we have is not non fungible tokens, it's non fuckable tokens. People kept fucking our money. Um. So that's I had true. to put a, f- I had to put a few of those in the money closet, to dissuade them. It's like a mouse trap, but for plutophiles. Plutophiles.
0: I mean, there's, mm, there's plutomancers,
1: that, 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 there's plutophages.
0: Plutophages, yep. Yeah, and I mean, someone
1: kept fucking our money, mm. and you kept saying it wasn't you, and I'm gonna trust you on that. So. The, that means the next most likely culprit would be some sort of wizard that has sex with money.
0: <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I did notice that the Data Freedom Foundation uh, does make an appearance in uh, one of the tomes they, of they, the War yes, game.
1: They do, they do.
0: Uh, and this is the to- this is the uh, what I call the the toilet tome because it's good toilet reading. Um, and as I do most of my work from home, or from the toilet, um, I occasionally uh, flick through Book Three. Well, I do know a bit about. I—I I, saw leading you on uh, on a, a rabbit hole because I have been looking these people up because I always do a deep a deep dive at any of my employers. Uh basically, the number of places I've worked for it turned out to be a cover for uh, the auto corpulentus. I mean, I'm I'm getting tired of it, so. I, I really try to work hard and make sure that I'm not working for TNI by mistake.
1: I think that might be on you because you keep seeking out Campbellism-related employment opportunities. It
0: is surprisingly a large amount in, these, in this economy. It's late capitalism, that's for sure. All right, so my understanding of uh, the Data Freedom Foundation, and we are going to have to get into okay, something Okay, yeah, I'm looking on their website. These...
1: Why do these guys have a fucking Thomas Payne? Like, okay, and they, they have a Thomas Payne uh, quote on their site, and specifically, oh, you... we have only those rights we can defend. I'm not sure. That's not ominous. All
0: right. So, the website. Uh... Those who give Which up freedom
1: free... of thought for peace of mind deserve neither. Quote: I mean, that's, Alan that's, that's... Rodriguez, Data Freedom Foundation. <laughs> Damn.
0: This guy. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure this is the same Data Freedom Foundation, but it might be because the Data Freedom Foundation did appear in Book 3 of the War Game, which was released in, what, 2016 or 17? Yeah,
1: 2016 or 17, I think. So, like, it's probably being written around 2016 at least. Yeah,
0: yeah maybe early even, maybe 2015 or whatever. We don't know how long this has been in uh, Greg Stolze's uh, back pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... This uh, organization, the website, um, is something that's relatively new, uh, founded in 2020, and it does have the same name. Um, and are we saying that it is the same organization as was in the Unknown Armies war game? Probably.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking probably.
0: Yeah, it does seem so. But what what do we want to cover first? Do we want to go over this website first, or do we want to go over what the Book 3 says? Okay, does? let's go over
1: because- the book, because I think that's more... Um, one's it's going to be the material that more of our listeners are familiar with, and that's also going to be... It's going to give us an opportunity to go more into, like, the history of these guys and what leads them to um, putting ominous Thomas Paine quotes on their website. This sounds like a threat. What does? They who give up freedom of thought for peace
0: of mind deserve neither. I mean, it... it yeah. Wait, especially if they're selling uh, smart data, which... Yes, compliance. smart it's, data. It, it's... Yeah. Uh, nothing says freedom of thought like data monetization and digital scarcity, and certainly automated compliance.
1: Absolutely. All right, but before we get into that, let's get into these guys' um, earlier history. What, what's written up in the war game?
0: Sure. Um, so I do have some thoughts about what um, how they are described in the war game and what they could have, how they could have developed. Um, it is described as publicly, uh, the Data Freedom Foundation is a nonpartisan think tank that hires freelancers to collect, collate, and analyze research on a variety of political and economic topics um now this already interests me well it's it's very boring but what makes knowing that it's it's got an, un, an occulted underbelly means that already i am suspicious of i'm suspicious of anything that actively advertises itself as non-partisan think tank it's sort of like when someone like any news that describes itself as non-biased i'm immediately suspicious of um so if anything, like they, they proudly proclaim their non-partisanship, I assume that they're hiding their bias. I would rather people put their bias on their sleeve and say, "I am biased." I mean, this I way. always
1: just kind of assumed that Rand was doing some sort of child sacrifice somewhere in its headquarters, but
0: well, that's most of the Fortune 500 companies.
1: Yeah, that, that that's more traditional, um, you know, authentic nomenclature and not whatnot. These guys are oh. uh, involved with in the underground different sort of feel
0: that's right that's right um because they hire freelancers who are adepts and avatars hired to change data or data however you like it to fit ideological paradigms
1: yeah and that's the interesting thing with these guys is um they change data as it's being recorded or after the fact or they can change the environment that data is being collected in or just change history itself And the data that comes from that.
0: So if the data does not match the reality, you change reality rather than changing the data. Now, what's interesting to me is that while they're described as conducting research on political and economic topics, um, the examples they give tend to be more along the lines of medical and scientific because they give an example like, for example, if a study is looking for a link between abortion and cancer, the DFF sends freelancers out to ensure that link exists
1: it it says that the dff don't have any artifacts but with substances like that i suspect they may have access to one of the cia cancer guns
0: oh yeah um now they 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 mentioned that they talk about wonder drugs causing strokes uh vaccines not causing autism all these sort of uh, sort of questions and these are mostly it's these are medical questions what interests me is this made me start to think about like if they're starting to meddle with like medical and scientific data, especially scientific data. I was thinking about ways that they could manipulate data. And I, this is actually, we'll tie it back into the autism thing here because I was thinking very much about the, the Lancet fraud. Um, in the case that an, an individual research paper that was not a good research paper was the seed from which the anti vax movement. Grew.
1: Didn't they, the guy who, like, published that study have some big, like, martyr complex about it?
0: Well, yeah, he is now. He's the big anti-vaxxer dude that um, justifies it all. Uh, he does have a big martyr complex. His name's Andrew Wakefield. And he released that study. It was a it was a leader author of a study of 12 children with autism published in The Lancet in 1998. Oh, man, that's a hell of a sample size. What a sample size. And it proposed a new syndrome called Autistic Enteroxysm colitis and trocolitis i believe Trichocolitis uh, raised the possibility of a link between a novel form of bowel disease autism and the mmr vaccine and it wasn't a very well it wasn't a good the paper itself said there was no causal connection uh, but Wakefield made statements at a press conference calling for suspension of the triple mmr vaccine until more research could be done and this it sort of spiraled into a lot of the impetus not all of it obviously but a lot of the impetus behind the modern anti-vax movement, and I'm wondering if that is something that the Data Freedom Foundation, as described in Book 3, could, you know, mess with, because data is data is important, but also how it is perceived is also important and how you use it.
1: Well, there's a lot of ways to falsify data. The fact that they hire adepts is interesting, because I think that, in a lot of cases, adepts are probably, like, the least effective at making convincing fake data as opposed to just trying and true fashions of funding studies with uh, your own money or starting labs specifically to do studies that back up your claims or, you know, quote unquote debunk uh, claims against you. Apps are good for this sort of shit, but I would suspect that these guys wouldn't hire them that much because fundamentally perverse incentive is a lot better.
0: At making crappy data than wizards are. Well, that said, there is an option, because they, we know that Data Freedom Foundation employs both avatars yep. and adepts, and using avatar powers is pretty cheap, but adept powers are real, like, they're, uh, variably expensive. Well, especially if you can
1: help a given type of adept get charges regularly, then one, you get a hell of a lot of loyalty out of them, too. They're usually a lot more giving with their
0: uh, charges. Well, then, if you could help them get charges, that would be the pay, but you might not even need them to spend charges if all you wanted them for was the fact that they knew gutter magic. Because gutter magic could be very useful in twisting data. Um, have you ever read The Three-Body Problem by Liu Cixin? I have not. Okay, there's one thing in the first book. When the aliens are coming, the Trisolarans are coming to... Uh, destroy us, and one of the things they do is they send out a sentient probe called a Sophon, which is a um, a proton which has been unfolded into two dimensions and engraved with circuitry using the strong interaction rather than electromagnetism, and it's uh it's basically uh, a photon which a proton which is self-aware, capable of movement at and uh, near light speed, and able to perceive its surroundings on both a macro and micro scale. And it's quantum entangled, um, so they can communicate with it, and they just use it to sabotage particle accelerator experiments, to sabotage human uh, physics development, while the uh, Trisolaran fleet slowly approaches. Uh, They don't want humans to develop too fast, they want to blow us up, so they just send these out just to fuck up our science. And I was thinking, with um, some adepts and avatars, with enough of them, you don't have to use them to have the powers, just have them casting uh, boons and whammies on um, scientific experiments that they know are going to happen because it's all about messing with probability. We know that we can, you can use magic to change the weather. We can use magic to win at poker. Why not use magic to make sure that those scientists in that particular university get the results that you want them to it's get? For
1: statistics. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, th- that's a very good point, actually. Most of the time, they probably will not be e- even using a lot of the fancier uh, adept powers. And adepts like that, because, hey, they don't actually need to spend any of their hard-earned
0: charges, right? And then they get paid, so... It's easy. All you need to do is rent a place across from the university. Every day, a couple of adepts and avatars go there, do a little gutter magic ritual, and that'll be it for the day. And then they do it as as long as the experiment's going on. I could even see them having, like, a warehouse
1: of, like, vaguely occult ritual paraphernalia that just looks like a standard warehouse full of random crap, but it's actually just for helping out uh, chargers with uh, doing their gutter magic rituals for them. That's...
0: That's right. All right. That's right. All right. And scientists would be extremely vulnerable to this sort of manipulation... Because science, to a large degree, empirical science is based on method- methodological naturalism. Yes. Which is the assumption that things have natural causes. Yes.
1: The, the foundation of magic is basically just any repeatable phenomena which is not falsifiable.
0: Yeah. So someone who is in a scientific mindset has no way to possibly guard against this kind of magical effect. Because, again, it's invisible because they're doing the gutter magic ritual across the road and you don't see it happening. Uh, Maybe they're stealing, like, your coffee cup or whatever.
1: They could guard against it if they had some sort of laden uh, magical ability they weren't aware of, like if they're some sort of low-level avatar or something. Sure, sure, Which could be fun. Like, there's this one um, lab that the Data Freedom Foundation keeps trying to fuck with, and for some reason it never works because they have one of the head researchers there is unconsciously channeling some sort of um, avatar path.
0: It could be a cabal doing that, to running protection. It would be fun to have a cabal of magicians who were friends with or close related or something. Maybe they're hired by a university. The, the head researcher should be a really prickly... Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson type person who does not ho- does not hold truck with any of this nonsense, and you ha- you have to sort of like you have to put up the wards and do your gut of magic rituals in a way that he doesn't notice. If this guy loses his faith in the empirical method, he his research would suffer, um, and you don't want him, you don't want him to know that magic exists. Not because you want to hide it from him, so he's a better scientist. You don't want him to end up like Isaac Newton. Like imagine if Neil deGrasse Tyson was it, it, discovered magic, he would just go on a rap He would down the rabbit hole. He would go. <laughs> We'd never see him again, if he even believed it. Well, uh, that's a big
1: if, because I mean, I I would imagine that, like for example, the identity skeptic could easily have the ability hardened to a natural, right? Sure, sure. And I, I would honestly say that yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson does have as one of his core identities, skeptic.
0: That's right, and I wonder if, like, a character like that is often a good foil to wizards, but it's also, uh, it's funny to me to have him as, like, you want to protect him. Like, anyone like that sort of big target on their back uh, from any wizard?
1: Because I'm a skeptic, of course, I can make obnoxious posts on Twitter.
0: Exactly, exactly. He pisses off some some cinemancer who's pissed off and he keeps talking about, like, uh, the stars in Titanic or something. One idea I have, actually... Uh, uh, this is a very sneaky idea for the D- Data Freedom Foundation because it does mention their operations, current operations. They mention specifically climate change and election fraud, uh, which seemed topical at the time and still do. Um, I'm not going to touch with uh, election fraud at the moment because I want to focus on the climate change because that's kind of obvious. But I had, a, I had an idea... And uh, this is probably why I got employed by the Data Freedom Foundation because I have an idea um, about what you what would you want to do if you're a group like the Data Freedom Foundation. What's a good way to sort of uh, mess with climate change science because there are a lot of people already doing that, and with the things that you mentioned before, like um, paid for studies and and like things like twisting the media narrative and things like that. If you don't want people learning learning about climate change or you don't want people believing climate change, there's ways to do that without using magic at all. But one thing you could do if you wanted to popularize the idea that the climate change agenda is a hoax, one thing you could do is you could perpetuate a different hoax um, by doctoring the data and convincing a whole bunch of scientists that some other great cataclysm is coming, something along, along the lines of the, the pole shift from Earth Change's law, or even something spicy like um, impending vacuum decay. Like, if you set up some dudes around the world outside uh, research labs and universities and start doing gutter magic in order to twist the data, twist the results that to make it suggest that, oh shit, the poles are going to shift and all, and it's going to fuck up, is going to cause a fucking equivalent of a electromagnetic boom and wipe out all the technology, oh no, that's coming, or oh fuck, Nibiru is coming. Or, oh god, the universe, the true vacuum is going to exhaust. Well, yes,
1: I do like that. Planet X (laughs) becomes mainstream science. Yeah, the planet that orbits the sun every thousand years.
0: Well, this is what you do. Or you get them, you do it for like, say, for a year or so, you put a whole bunch of money into doing this gutter of magic, influencing these experiments, and making sure the experiments have weird results that look like something bad's going to happen, and that gets published... And then that goes into the media, and serious scientists start looking into it, and they're like, holy shit, the data does seem to go that direction. People are having a very serious discussion, and then you stop the gutter magic, just suddenly. And then everyone has to do it about-face, and everyone, after a year or so of panicking because vacuum is about to decay, or the poles are about to switch... They suddenly realize, oh, actually, no, that's not happening at all, apparently.
1: My concern is if you got enough people to believe in that, could it actually start to be a problem?
0: Uh, Again, this isn't Mage.
1: No, okay, but there's (laughs) definitely parts of the canon that are just straight up like, okay, enough people believe in this. Therefore, some phenomena does actually manifest as a result of that. Like, look... I'm not saying it would precisely be vacuum decay There's like a lot of stuff that In Unknown Armies that Builds off that sort of idea Usually with some sort of twist So, would vacuum decay Straight up start happening? No What would be a spin on vacuum decay? Hmm Oh, that's a good question What is a spin on vacuum decay? Um, Um, Vacuum shortage As in the appliance
0: (laughs) vacuum cleaners start decaying <laughs> yes, rapidly exactly <laughs> That's one thing. I was thinking of something more metaphysical we'd better um, because not everyone will know what vacuum decay is necessarily no yeah that's a fair point explain it alright so I'm going to go through what they by the examples um, so vacuum decay there is something called the Higgs potential which is related to the Higgs field which permeates the universe but what it means is the universe is in either one of two states it's either in a true vacuum or a false vacuum now, a true vacuum is a stable, lowest energy state. Um, so imagine you're sitting still on a valley floor, just stable.
1: No potential energy. Yeah.
0: No potential energy. Uh, a false vacuum is when you've got potential energy. You're metastable, uh, where you're in a, where you're like, um, when you've got something like, uh, like a, maybe it's a bottle yeah, sure. turned up on its on its wrong end. Uh, it's metastable. It's not actively decaying, but it's not stable either because anything could make it topple over. I think this is this is. But the idea is uh, a certain amount of energy, if our universe is in a false vacuum, uh, something could happen which could cause it to tr- convert to true vacuum, which would mean that we would all be destroyed and the universe's scientific laws might be very different after the true vacuum took over. Is that my, that's the understanding that I have. But the basic idea is that the vacuum, the universe that we know, might just pop
1: Okay, but there wouldn't be any warning for that, right? It would just be, like, gone. Where the decay come from? Because decay implies a certain amount of uh, gradualness to it, as opposed to just, I guess, mm.
0: vacuum burst. Yeah, so I guess, how would you... Um, you could... It does describe... I'm looking at Cosmos magazine, um, that the walls of the true vacuum bubble would expand in all directions at the speed of light. Uh, you wouldn't see it coming... The walls would contain a huge amount of energy, so you might be incinerated as the bubble wall plowed through you. Like, for example, they say you wouldn't see it coming, but surely you could see it coming if it was far enough away. Um, or it had an effect on the rest of the universe. Like maybe there was like for example, if there was a bubble of true vacuum started expanding a few light years away, uh, would we be able to Now no we wouldn't, no, see, you wouldn't it see it coming of the thing that's a little bit
1: of the little it's of at the speed of light.
0: Ah, I see. I see the problem. Okay, maybe this is not a good one. This is this is what the Data Freedom Foundation they wouldn't bother with this particular <laughs> catastrophe because there's no way to see it coming. Well, this is the advantage of fucking with experiments, is because there's that whole idea that like it doesn't matter if it makes sense it's it's what's what the results say. And if you're fucking with the results Any sort of causality is ultimately speculation. Like
1: yes, you can use deductive reasoning and proof uh from Testing to make your case, but j- just because you observe one thing happening uh, after the other does not mean that your explanation is sound. You know, causality versus causation.
0: I'm thinking about how before they tested the atomic bomb, there were some that believed that the atomic bomb would um, ignite the atmosphere and just like burn the whole planet, but uh, they tested it anyway. So the smart people will be wrong because they don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, And I was thinking if you were trying to, like, sort of turn the public against science in a way, at least popularizing the potential for, say, something like uh, experiments at CERN to release energy in the wrong way and cause a a true vacuum bubble to destroy everything. I mean, it's something that could, uh, if you were doing that sort of hoax, you could probably explain it and, like, maybe convince some fringe scientists enough to scare them. My concern with that is I think that something like that could backfire if you're only
1: with uh, fringe scientists. Because I think that because of the way the sort of collective consciousness works, the more people are thinking about some sort of hot bun topic, the more the truth of that actually gets sort of solidified metaphysically, right? If you, if you really wanted to fight global warming metaphysically... What you'd want to do is you'd want to get everyone on the same page one way or the other.
0: It's, that's, 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 a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge and a half. Yeah.
1: It, it's the fact that it's so controversial that's making it such a certainty.
0: Well, I'm thinking that if you were trying to do this in a way that you were trying to fuck with experimental results yeah. to get things in a certain direction, you would want to target experiments that are elaborate and expensive. So CERN might be the one you'd want to target. You wouldn't want to do something that like any random scientist could like verify or like or like they could do. They could repeat the experiment.
1: And the thing about gutter magic is it's gonna fuck it with the experiment differently each time, right?
0: Well, yes. You know,
1: even then you're still fucking with the field. But you can still like
0: lean it in one direction.
1: Exactly because of the lack of research, giving a certain kind of result, even if you are. Causing studies to have the kind of results you want you're at least stopping studies from having the kind of results you don't want
0: that's right yeah the kind of magic won't work every time but it will work a statistically significant yes. proportion of times to fuck with the whole I- empirical method <laughs> and that is the point of it because you you don't want to get like getting every experiment may, may be implausible but if you could st- like skew enough of them you could throw all kinds of wrenches in the works and it wouldn't last forever because eventually you'd have to stop doing the gutter magic and then people would do the experiments and be like oh wait that was just a a very strange string of anomalies yeah but Uh, if you poison
1: the well for long enough then it's good yes take a while to unpoison it
0: that's it that's it especially if you've got because science moves uh, what's that thing about uh science moving one funeral at a time? Yeah. Um, okay. if you can convince like a group of like some one very visible modern like uh very influential scientist or group of scientists of one result and then maybe you could stop for a while and it would it would sort of linger because too many research papers have been written by well respected people in their fields and they don't want to admit that they were wrong. Because they don't know that they were fucked with. So they don't know what's going on. They don't know why the experimental results are different. So the other thing that these guys were
1: trying to get into uh, as of writing was um, voting fraud, which, especially in the last few years, has become a very hot-button topic. And I think that may be sort of what's working against them and why... They haven't uh, made much, much progress there. Like I said, with um, global warming, the controversial nature of a given topic gives it sort of statospheric weight, right? Because more people are thinking about it and have strong opinions on it.
0: Mm, I think yes. Uh, one issue with the voter fraud as a, as a meme, as a concept, is compared to when the the War Game was released. This third edition of the War Game was released. Uh, the voter fraud is talked about a lot more.
1: Yes, but even even at the time, it was very much like sort of the left wing, at least like in the United States, and um, the Anglo sphere. Voter fraud was very much like something the left wing is skeptical of, and the right wing thinks is more endemic. The twenty twenty election made that uh, those opinions even starker, and as a result, yeah. I mean, I think the 2020 election is probably, even more so than, like, Bush versus uh, Gore, the election in U.S. history that has, or at least, like, recent U.S. history,
0: that has the most skepticism behind it, especially partisan skepticism. Well, because the the, the voter fraud narrative was being pushed before the election even happened. Yes, (laughs) yes. And it makes it very different from the Bush-Gore situation. But that makes it harder...
1: To fuck with as a result of that, because one, of course, magic is going to function on paradox on some level, right? And yeah. two, like I said, I think the more people you have passionate about something, the more a solid truth is going to exist in the status sphere because of that.
0: That is true, yeah. It, it's going to be hard to shift a lot of people. It becomes a, a larger objective when a lot of people feel strongly about something. Yeah.
1: And even before that, votes have so much symbolic weight behind them that fucking with them in any magical way is usually pretty difficult.
0: It's true. It's true. Well, the thing is, like, they do. They talk about um, votes are data, so why not change those to ensure the right politicians get elected? And it's like, yeah, votes are data. You can alter them. But since some of the... At least some of uh, what they do is making sure that history matches the data. Yeah. Then it becomes almost just like a normal objective then, I guess.
1: And there are types of ups that can fuck with data. Infomancers, of course. And I'm not just talking about fucking with history like Cleomancers do, right? I'm talking about fucking with data directly. Cryptomancers can do it. Um, Followers of NoMon have capacity to fuck with data. So, I'd imagine that at least two of those groups have... um, a few freelancers uh, working for the Data Freedom Foundation, though. The followers of NoMon, I, I think they're probably against these guys, if anything, for reasons uh, I'll get into a bit later.
0: Well, sex echo guys here.
1: Well, it's specifically statements uh, one of the main guys behind the Data Freedom Foundation has said.
0: Okay, all right. Um, one thing I was wondering is, since... Votes might be now too difficult to mess with, but something that they could mess with more easily, and such a, a softer target, is polling data. Yes, and I'm thinking anything, anything 538, anything Nate Silvery could be easily messed with with gutter magic in the, in the same way, because it doesn't matter how how good Nate Silver is at um working out the heuristics of uh, what polls are best if there are people twisting it with magic. I reminded of before the last Taiwanese election, the um, Kuomintang candidate, who was a fucking ridiculous human being, uh, Han Yu, He was telling he was he was a fucking ridiculous man. He told his supporters to lie to pollsters <laughs> about who they were voting for.
1: <laughs> fucking what? All right, that's a galaxy brain move.
0: Galaxy brain move. Galaxy brain move. Um. He, I think the plan was to make it seem. If I, I don't know this might be just my interpretation because the only reason I want to do that is to because you wanted the um, the opposition, the other party, not to come out to vote in such numbers because the polls would like showed like there wasn't that he wasn't winning or well, he didn't win. Thank God, but. If you were not doing that, you wanted to sort of suppress your own vote in the polls to encourage the supporters of the opposition to stay at home. That might be something that's easier to do than actually messing with the votes That makes a
1: certain amount of sense. Um, The other one, I guess, would be to just generally lead to more distrust of polls if you aren't doing well in the polls. You can just be like, oh, no, obviously that's just because my... Followers are listening to me and fucking
0: with you guys. If you were a smaller party, like, say, the Libertarians or the Greens, like, using some magic to sort of, like, bump yourself up a bit, because if you're a small party, no one's going to vote for you if they don't think you're going to go anywhere, especially with third parties in the US. But if you've got a little bit more support, there's enough people with with hope in their hearts and lack of understanding of how the political system works that they might vote if they see, oh, wow, the... Libertarians are running 12%, Oh, I should vote for them they have a chance now. That could be something.
1: Yeah, no, hoping
0: to use magic as sort
1: of a miracle grow for a grassroots political operation.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I I think fundamentally that using magic on... There's a lot of reasons that using magic on polls is more effective than using it on votes. And one of the big ones is just polls have a lot more of a bottleneck, right? Uh, Collecting votes is a very distributed thing. Where there's a lot of people you need to fuck with to affect turnout or collection, right? Whereas posters, you only need to fuck with a few people collecting the data, fundamentally, right?
0: Yeah, less people.
1: Fuck with whatever website they're collecting data from.
0: Fuck with the maths, fuck with the data. Yeah. yeah. There are ways to
1: do it. Really, there's not as much trust there as there is with, like, the... The the more widespread distrust of it is, I think the easier it is to take advantage of voting fraud magically. Yep. If it's very partisan, that ends up reinforcing it. But if it's just widespread distrust, then it's not hard. And I think a lot of people really don't trust pollsters that much. And I think that's even
0: pretty nonpartisan. That's just grease to the wheel of your gutter magic. That's just, yeah.
1: Your gutter magic with a picture of Nate Silver and Groucho Marx glasses
0: in the center. That's right. With the nose, with the nose. Yes, of course. The Groucho Marx nose and mustache. Yeah, that works. Um, So what else would they mess with? Because we've got climate change, we've got voter fraud and polls and things. Uh, Data, the problem with data is it covers so many different things. It's a very broad word. So something
1: I've been wondering about these guys, right, is pretty much any organized operation that deals with magic usually has at least a few unintentional knock-on effects, right? Sure. And you're, fuck, you're, like, collecting data for these guys. You, you're you doing code calls for them.
0: Do you think these guys have anything to do with the rise of vote thieves? Ooh, I don't know, actually. Vote thieves are an odd duck. I'm not sure where they came from.
1: I mean, they just kind of manifest spontaneously as far as people's... At least far as the understanding in the war game.
0: The way that vote thieves sort of manifest, it seems to be... Because they they talk like um, Bill O'Reilly... Uh, what's what's the other one? Rachel Maddow,
1: uh, Bill O'Reilly, and Maddow. Tumblr rolled into one.
0: Yeah, there seems to be something about um, extreme partisanship uh, seems to have spawned them. Maybe these But that could be blowback,
1: right? That could, I could very easily see that as blowback for attempts to magically fuck with a very partisan political culture far as
0: voting goes. That would be interesting if they, yeah, they maybe they don't even notice. Maybe the yeah. DFF doesn't even notice they created them. It just yeah there's a side effect.
1: I mean like most big occult groups don't I mean when the third edition was getting written, it simply says like that the sleepers and the um, new Inquisition don't know these things exist yet. I mean that's probably not true now. It's been five years, and you know it's been these guys have been made kind of public. but
0: what else like could there be because that could be a manifestation of if they're trying to mess with polls or votes. But it's not the only data they're trying to mess with. Like, do you think they would have created, like other occult, uh, like other um, unnatural entities that might have been spawned by their activities, mm. like something like I'm thinking of um, sort of. Uh, but what's what's the equivalent of a vote? Something. <laughs> you
1: know, like, well, maybe something of. that feeds off of um, failed uh, peer review boards.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like some sort of bogart have,
1: that fucks with your experiments.
0: No, no, no. It talks to you on the phone, and then it publishes before you do.
1: That's good, and then you follow, try to follow, like, who the fuck is this guy, and you just can't find anything?
0: Yeah, and it's in some shitty, like, um, like...
1: No-name journal?
0: Yep. Like, pay-to-publish journal, yeah. But then you can't publish, because it's it's literally your results. <laughs> you can, it's...
1: Mm. Or some, maybe some sort of, like, sentient junk data. Like, you have your spreadsheet full of all the, um, observations you've made during your experiment and you check it a couple days later and like six new lines have been added and you have no idea where they came from and then you check that like a couple days later again and the six lines are still there but they're totally different
0: oh okay that makes me just think of like um, what if what if code has gremlins oh it,
1: it absolutely does i assure you it absolutely does <laughs> those bits of code where just the comment says i have no idea how this works just that if i remove it it breaks that's the work of code gremlins. The scare story I ever heard was a buddy of mine who told me that his code crashed after he removed a comment. <laughs> that's
0: that's that's weird. Yes, yeah, that's very weird. That's
1: that's kind, That's honestly kind of terrifying.
0: The problem is like making that gameable.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Like there are a lot of unknown armies monsters that are like okay, these are evocative, but fundamentally they're just like a trap. For certain kinds of activity mm-hmm. yeah like you know they're decent blowback but like sometimes blowback when it feels too arbitrary can just be like okay you're just throwing cheap obstacles at us for the sake of cheap drama but making it gamble i mean i could see like that like code gremlins being a result of trying to use magic to write your code for you and why you shouldn't
0: do that ah oh, yes it's it's that's a um that's a morality yes. play if i've ever heard one yes is <laughs> You don't don't rely on the infomancer to do it for you. That's pretty funny, that could work. What what if it's it's like um, it's some code that just isn't working and you just have to keep you keep working on it, you keep adding to it, you have to keep adding to it, and it's because the code gremlin it wants to bit it wants to get bigger. That's good. It needs
1: to feed. Feeds on a, on efficient and inelegant algorithms.
0: This is logical. Now I do like this idea that all they're doing is gutter magic. But they're doing it with so much, so much resources behind them. So much money has been thrown at this gutter magic, that even though it's 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 very cheap and nasty, simple magic that anyone with a, a any sense of the occult underground can do, it doesn't really have much of an effect. But if you do it enough times and often enough and on a large enough scale, it causes just as much damage to the to to reality as a, a major charge.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot, too. Now, like, I do think they probably have, like, a few more specialized adepts and avatars they hire once in a while. I mean, like, far as sort of the temptation of selling out, I feel like that temptation is a lot more present when it's easy and lucrative work like gutter magic as opposed to having to spend your charges to do something more complex. That is Mm. often, you know, any sort of adept that deals with data or secrets that would be especially useful to these guys probably have some very strong principles related to said domains, right? Mm. And thus yeah. would usually be a lot less willing to work for people like this. Whereas, you know, a fucking cinemancer can just do a bit of gutter magic for these guys and Doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, don't give a shit. Hey, that's that's three hundred dollars in their pocket now.
0: As long as they're not twisting the 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 votes for the Oscars, they don't care.
1: Freelance apps being like, okay, actually, it's a. If you pay me three hundred and thirty-three dollars, it's a, the, the the ritual works better.
0: The app that I actually got this job through is called Three Hundred Thirty-Three Dollars. It's kind of like a. Uh, it's a combination of. Um, it seems like a bit of a mix of Task Rabbit or Task Rabbit and um, Amazon's Mechanical Turk. Gig economy ad apps. That's right. Yeah. So it's just it's a casual workforce in terms of you could introduce the dff to a campaign by just if you have like an adept who's just having a hard time keeping a job or getting money it's such a mundane concern it was just like oh yeah no these guys you go on three hundred thirty three dollars and you can get like a random task to do and so you just have to go to this random place across the road from the university and do this random thing and you could just leave it there as like a, like, a, like a little crumb for the players to be like, what is that? Because,
1: okay, you remember the the fate in Delta Green, right? And their adepts?
0: Yes, yes.
1: But this is just the UA spin on that because you're thinking of it from the federal agent perspective of it's all sinister and building up to some grand, overarching plan. This is just like, all right, th- from, from the un- occult underground perspective, it's just taking shitty gig work.
0: I like the idea that for example, you've got a cabal, and they they're pursuing something. But like some members of the cabal, one member, they they have to get their money, so they take yeah. a, a quick gig on the three hundred thirty three dollars. But what if like they go there and they're doing the the gutter magic ritual with some other wizards, other local occult underground scroungers. And they're like, hey, later on they're like, hey, I know you. (laughs) Like, it's the, the, from the enemy cabal that you're fighting, you're like, hey, we worked together that one time. It's all, yeah, it's also
1: a good way to introduce NPCs where it's like, okay, I, I can't really think of a good excuse to get the player's cabal involved with this cool NPC idea I have. They share a gutter magic gig one time. That's how they get to know each other. Yeah. That's good.
0: I like that a lot. And that gives the DFF like a, a framework that could be used more... Like, in more campaigns, I feel. As sort of like... It, it gives them a, a, a reason to exist within the Anunami's setting, such as it is. No, that's good. That, that's really good, I think.
1: Again, especially like for the spin that it puts on, like... Should I have seen other role-playing games? And makes it like a much more... Down to earth and shit job relatable thing.
0: Yeah, because there's versions of that. There's like, sort of like um, you see lots of sort of like cyberpunky type games where it's like um, gig economy yeah. for assassins yeah, and yeah, things yeah. that are like much more like spectacular. But this is just like it's just shitty kind of yeah, magic at the end of the day. Gig economy for shitty wizards. Exactly. Now that's good. I think it's funny too because like I enjoy gutter magic and the process of it. But sometimes people are like, oh god, but gutter magic again. But I, I do like the like the leading into the fuck of like these adepts like uh congregating in this place to be like and they have to be like, fuck, alright, how do we figure out this ritual? We've already used that. Um so it becomes a job almost. Yeah, yeah. From their point of view from the piece from the character's point of view it's a job. From the player's point of view it's probably still fun as long as you don't overdo it. But I, I like the idea that the the piece the character it's done it so many times That it's like A chore To do God It's
1: also a really good Framing device For like a whole cabal Like say you're dealing With some area That has actually A pretty small Occult underground So Yep When you guys Do these gig jobs On this app You just keep Meeting the same guys And that's that. That's your cabal That's your player cabal
0: yeah, that's that's a great way to meet up. It's just like you just you're just. <laughs>
1: it's like the unknown Army's equivalent of you meet in a tavern. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you all got the same shitty gutter magic job through this app.
0: Yeah, it would be work really well if you were setting a campaign in maybe uh, say it was a college yeah, town, yeah. where the university had like a, a science, like some research uh, department that was doing something important for the DFF. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't that doesn't matter to the players unless they want to pursue that line um yeah
1: no that's, that's good i think you can probably easily broaden that idea to be something beyond just the dff yeah i kind of like it yeah perhaps but i like it as the dff like that's what they do the other group i could see doing that sort of shit would maybe well hmm, actually no i was gonna say it would be like the new inquisition or something but now nah, um abel is too much of a control freak to do something like that
0: yeah i don't think it's we're not gonna have New Inquisition gig economy. Yeah, yeah no, you can no. bring your own yellow raincoat.
1: And say what you will about the New Inquisition. At least they give you a pension after they lobotomize you. That's right. And hey, you know, for some people, that's that's a price they
0: knowingly and willingly pay. Hey, look, um, you may be lobotomized, but you've got health insurance after that.
1: Yeah, at least you can pay your kids through college.
0: I, I do like the idea. We should talk, do a TNI episode. I like the idea of like, I'm just, I'm working for Able just to put my kids through college because it's perfect. Yeah.
1: So, I guess speaking of higher-ups, over the last little bit, I have been looking into who runs this thing. And it's interesting. It's interesting. So, what we have in the war game is this guy named Thomas Coors, And we know he's an avatar of The Opportunist, right? And it says specifically, Millionaire Thomas Kurz, which is interesting to me, because millionaire doesn't mean a whole lot at this point, I think. Strikes me as someone that's kind of grasping for
0: aggrandizement. Fun fact, um, the the surname Kurz, it's Afrikaans for fever. Huh.
1: I just thought of the Kurz family, as in, like, the beer, but... It's a different spelling. Threlawley, so. Threlawitus. Yeah.
0: Well, and this very well
1: could be just like some sort of um, pseudonym that was handed out to Stolzi as he was writing the new edition of the War Game. People in the occult underground tend to be pretty, uh, pretty uh, hesitant to give out their real name. Sometimes that's true. There's a lot of power in those, after all. Now, the fact that he's the opportunist works really well, I think, because. These guys are sort of nonpartisan in the sense that they're extremely mercenary, right?
0: Yeah, they they just—it's all about themselves.
1: Yeah, they don't really have any sort of consistent political agenda they're trying to push. It's just whoever they receive money from, they put they put in the work for. Yeah. Now, I could very easily see freelance adepts working for something like that. Usually, adepts have loftier and also lower concerns ideologically than just you know bipartisan politics usually
0: um yes i agree
1: it's like that thing of i don't trust anyone who is extremely inconsistent with how radical their their political beliefs are right
0: Oh, was just like the. Um, it reminds. that like that meme of the the Zoomers who just bounce from one extreme political position to another.
1: Like your metaphysics needs to be as strange as your politics, in my opinion.
0: Sure, I I've met a few people like that. Uh, the number of pederomancers who are basically just like I just want to grill, damn it, types is quite high.
1: And the fact that I just want to grill myself <laughs> should have nothing to do with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think a lot of the extreme uh, magical schools, if they even give a fuck about politics, like this, someone who is obsessed with something, like it's like a pornomancer or like what's a, or something it's like any, actually any adept yeah. is going to be so obsessed with whatever they're fetishizing that they're only going to pay like cursory attention to other things. And they might just be like, it just depends on what, how they were grown up, how they were brought up. Um, They might just be like, they might be a Republican because their parents were, or a Democrat because all their friends are. And it
1: depends, too. Like, I'd imagine an avatar of the Firebrand or the Rebel is going to be very politically aware and engaged all the time, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, that's different. That it's, that's, avatars are going to have the whole gamut, maybe. I think it's the funny. I like the idea that adepts are just sort of mainstream politically.
1: For adepts especially, a lot of them consider themselves kind of above it. Mm-hmm. That, and they'd also kind of... A lot of people in the cult underground would probably think that politics, if it's not rigged, it doesn't actually matter. What really matters is the satisphere and kind of shaping sure. the culture, as opposed to that makes sense. Shaping the uh, political landscape. Yeah, politics only matters so far as it affects the cultural unconscious.
0: That's an argument to make. The counterpoint is that well, the political, the collective unconsciousness is derived from the. Collective consciousness, which is all this sort of stuff, which is politics and, and vice versa, and too sort of So, yeah, it's something
1: yeah. that you kind of need to be concerned with a lot But, like, you know, that sort of view of being above it does explain, I think, how a lot of adepts would be willing to work for this company freelance, right? Sure Now, what my question is, is what are the, like, salaried employees of this place like? What do they believe ideologically? Do they know about magic at all? Like, we know, at least from what it says in the war game, that they don't practice magic. The only charger that's actually works for the company is Thomas Coors. But do the rest of the salaried employees know about magic? Is it just, are, are these freelancers getting hired by Coors directly? I mean, I'd imagine that the salaried employees, even if they don't know about magic, they still are probably aware of the group's data mercenary activities, right? What do they feel about that? What sorts work for this place?
0: Well, I think that Thomas Coors probably doesn't want to employ other... Does he kind of want to have other opportunists in his organization? No, definitely not. Definitely not. And even someone who's a mercenary type might be too close for comfort. So he'd want someone. He'd want employees who he doesn't want adepts. He doesn't want avatars. He wants complete mundies. Says that he keeps occult flakes at a deniable, a deniable arm's length away from himself. But that means that he's gonna need to have some people to interact with the freelancers. Maybe it's why it goes through the app. Yeah. But I think there is gonna be some people in the organization who know some things about magic, but maybe they don't know everything. Or maybe they are given, like, only certain bits of information. Or maybe they don't even know what the operations they're paying for are. doing. Yeah, maybe he they has, just, like, uh, some weird
1: compartmentalized thing set up where he has, like, a bunch of different types of ends justify the means radicals working for him in different departments. hmm But that's also, yeah. I'd imagine, like, people like that would also be difficult to employ in the long term.
0: They might be true believers in... Because if they don't understand what magic is and they don't know about the freelancers or what the freelancers are doing, and they might be fully into the idea of like data freedom and data accuracy. Um, they might be consummate professionals. As we found
1: from the website, these guys have a very particular definition of data well, freedom.
0: Well, if this is the same organization, which it probably is, yes. Uh, so should we go on the website, or should we discuss a bit more about this?
1: Let's go on to the website, because right. I think it's very interesting. Unless there's... Speculations about the uh, salaried employees.
0: Um, no, not for the moment. Uh, they were thinking about, but I think they're in the dark.
1: All right. So, since the war game entry got written for the Data Freedom Foundation, these guys, um, who I'm pretty sure are the same group, actually put up a website a couple of years ago. They are apparently founded by some guy named Alan Rodriguez who may be some sort of pseudonym for Coors. It may be some sort of middleman that Coors uses as the public face of the organization. Basically, the Data Freedom Foundation is a nonprofit that specializes in Web 3.0 smart contracts. So Bitcoin, blockchain shit, NFTs, all those buzzwords, which if nothing else, is extremely on point for something that a Avatar of the Opportunist would get involved with. Oh, yes. These guys' website is crazy. There's a lot of digital real estate dedicated to saying basically nothing of substance.
0: There is a, a diagram here which is talking about smart data architecture. Yes. and it, To me, this website... Is, is trying to grok this website is like trying to read Timecube. I have no idea what's going on. Time Cube with, like, a graphic
1: designer hired.
0: Yes. Um. It There's lots of diagrams, but there's one here talking about platform-as-a-service APIs. What is API? I don't know what it means. But it's, it's something is called Many Self-Sovereign and Federated Identities.
1: API is, like, application programming interface. Basically, it's like... All right. You know what, like, a code library is? I don't know nothing. Okay. um, it, it, It's, like, basically something like Twitter or Facebook will give you a library of code to um, allow you to interface with their records and data in certain ways.
0: Ah, yes. That makes sense. Um, because I, I'm i noticing what the, here they they here, the master data controllers, TM, everything's TM here, being fed into from many organizations, many self-sovereign, and federated identities. Um like what a great word to describe adepts and avatars, self sovereign and federated identities. <laughs> so yeah,
1: these guys, as <laughs> far as data freedom goes, they're very like libertarian in the sense of freedom, and by that they mean freedom is as many contracts as we can fit in this fucker. That's right. Um now kinda of what smart contracts are is they're like programs often get involved in like um monetary transfer. Um, protocols. Okay, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, they're designed to, like, manage and document events related to the terms of a contract. A lot of this is tied up with all, like, the blockchain sort of bullshit, because I mean, fundamentally, blockchain is just a ledger It's a a ledger system for verifying data. And um, a lot of people get very excited about inserting artificial scarcity into things for no real good reason. But this Alan Rodriguez guy is interesting. So, cause I, like I was looking at his LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, his bio calls himself a, and I quote, product leader, inventor, data and privacy renegade, philosopher,
0: digital humanist, and coin carrier. Coin carrier. Why? Would, what's coin character? What does that? What does that refer to? I, I
1: assume it means he's like into cryptocurrencies.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, like say you will data and privacy
1: renegade and philosopher are both things that I could very much see an adept calling
0: themselves. Of course, of course, yes. Uh, I've seen some adepts LinkedIn profiles. They've they've got a lot on there. Judging from his LinkedIn, most of his
1: experiences in marketing. So, hence, you know why the website says in several thousand words basically nothing. It is marketing in its purest essence. And I like I, I was looking a bit more into this guy's background. He has a company called Accessor, uh, spell A C C E S R. Of course, that's like a smart contracts company. Whereas the Data Freedom Foundation is a is a nonprofit. Uh, through Accessor, this guy has some lectures he's done. He's done like some presentations, and I, there were some pretty interesting quotes. Um, I saw first of all he was um specifically quoting the. Uh, an archbishop at several points. And his explanation for the importance of smart data is, and I quote, digital rule of law to ensure humanity controls technology now and into the future.
0: Oh, yes, because, yeah, the Skynet can't rise if it there's a contract involved. Well, this is why I think <laughs> that Followers of Nomon probably don't get a lot of work with this guy. Wait a minute, now I'm imagining, like, if they're trying to, like, sort of do unto Nomon what was done unto Gulliver... ...with contracts.
1: What is a better way of stopping a machine that just indiscriminately gathers data than hiding all that data behind infinite layers of litigation?
0: Yes, but what I'm thinking of it's like it's you're feed you start deliberately um, feeding like data into the internet to sort of trap Nomon. Also, oh, that's
1: a, that's true. You you like that's what I mean. Bind Nomon in litigation somehow.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean by like Gulliver, like where they tied him down with all the little little ropes. Um, so you bind him with the smart contract, smart data. Um, why is our data so dumb? Well, it's like binding a demon, right? It's like binding a demon with a contract. That's it. That's it. So maybe ensuring humanity controls technology is their mission.
1: Maybe that's their thing. They see, like, Web 3.0 yeah, who, what's the alternative? is the only defense against nomon and things like it that might come about.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. Maybe this has been something that's happened, because this website did yeah. his, uh, this version of Data Freedom Foundation only emerged in the last couple of years. Maybe, Maybe they, okay, first they start doing this shit, they start creating vote thieves and other like unnatural entities in the in the infosphere with their activities. And then somewhere along the line, uh Thomas Coors or this guy discovers Nomon and that changes the game a bit. But they're still doing their they're still doing the old school Data Freedom Foundation, like uh messing with data. I do like this idea, like and with this, we could tie well, you're going to do a future episode on Nomon.: And that's why
1: the website is just a bunch of weasel words and double talk. It's so that Nomon can't actually get anything of importance mm. from it.
0: :Empty calories. It's very I like this idea that there's more than one thing going on. Now, the the, the Day Day Freedom Foundation is already a lot more interesting than what was presented in book three.
1: Like, I could very easily see, like, okay, it, it expands by hiring on people that are very passionate about fighting against Gnomon somehow, whereas Coors is still up at top, sitting pretty, collecting power as the yeah. opportunist. Because even if you're providing a valuable service, you can still be doing very well as the opportunist. You just yeah. need to succeed. It's true. And then of course what happens there is eventually Coors turns Bandit Darnold and joins uh Flex Echo as the head of the there marketing department.
0: There you go. Um I think that like uh, the way that Flex Echo is presented also needs some uh, a bit of a shift to make it more gameable uh, or more interesting. Yeah. So no, throwing Thomas Coors into the into the mix makes throwing an opportunist in that does make it interesting.
1: Whatever the fuck's going on with these guys, I'm, I'm sure they have some uh, interesting projects they're working on. That's definitely
0: for sure. that frame our reality as individuals are captured as data points and used to alter our beliefs and behaviors.